then you have the final countdown. You have three, two, one, and lift off. And you feel everything vibrating under you. And it's it's such such an exciting, just such a thrill, honestly. Welcome to episode seven of Navigation and Discovery with Cameron Singh. Today we have another great special guest, Sarah Sabri. To tell you a little bit about who Sarah is, Sarah Sabri is an accomplished astronaut, engineer, and advocate for increasing accessibility and diversity in the space industry. She has made history as the first Egyptian astronaut, the first Arab woman in space, and the first woman from the African continent to go to space. Sabri is also the founder and executive director of Deep Space Initiative, which is a nonprofit organization dedicated to increasing accessibility and opportunity in the space field while enabling deep space exploration for all. She's also been recognized with the IAF Emerging Space Leader Award for her humanitarian efforts in the field. And Sabri is also an international speaker, inspiring younger generations to dream big and pursue their passions. I had an amazing discussion with Sarah and was truly inspired by her journey going through the process of going into space through Blue Origin, her mission and experience, and I really hope hearing her journey and story, um, we actually, she was uh, doing this interview from Cairo, Egypt, and it was so inspiring to hear her journey and her story, and I really hope that her story and journey is an inspiration to you. So I really hope you enjoy this interview. Sarah, thank you for being a part of the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to have this conversation with you. Yeah, it's pretty amazing to be talking to someone. Uh, you said it's uh, in the evening in, in Egypt, correct? Yes, it's yeah. about 5 p.m. in Egypt, in Cairo. Nice, nice. Um, so to get the kind of the conversation started, um, what uh, intrigued you about space and, and what really inspired you to pursue becoming an, an astronaut? Um, for me, space started with asking questions. So for me, it wasn't something that grew, we grew up being exposed to in Egypt. So we never we never had rocket launches being broadcasted on the news. We never really heard of astronauts from our side of the world. It was always thought to be something that's not for us. So it wasn't really something that we can really get exposed to. You don't find it anywhere in Egypt or, or in our region, like back, back then when I was a student, when I was in school, it was just not, um, like it's not easy to dream about something that is just you're being told that it's not really for you all your life Mm -hmm. so when I after I finished my master's I started asking big questions and I read Stephen Hawking's book and I think that's where things really started clicking and for me asking the questions and really thinking about how to how to address them and I kept asking, why do we know so little? And then every time I would try to answer, I would try to understand certain um, topics in astrophysics, let's say, or try to just understand things around me. I, I was only left with more questions. And then I thought that maybe I could do something about it. Maybe why can't I use my skills to help the, the, the field push, move forward? And that's how it started. It started from an academic part. So I started doing research. I started trying to trying to see how I can help. And then the more involved I was in the field, uh, the space field, the the more I realized it was so inaccessible um, for someone like me. And that's why I founded the Space Initiative. And from there, things just kept growing. And it was just for me, it was just a problem that needed solving. 
and every part of my like for every chapter of my life I kind of like to think of my life as chapters for every chapter I always did whatever I thought was was solving a problem that I was seeing in front of me so with my studies in mechanical engineering or biomedical engineering it was always about solving a problem and being curious about it so much so that it I would just it would just consume me and that was the same for space it just consumed me and I I completely dedicated my entire life for it and just to trying to solve like some of the problems that we have there. And I'm sure the journey was definitely not easy pursuing a field of space, the field of space. And that came with a lot of, a lot of obstacles. And I'm, I'm sure you faced. Um, so can you shed light on some of those obstacles and what you learned from them throughout your journey? Of course, I think obstacles are make you who you are. And for me, whenever I was going through a difficult time or a period where I felt like everything was working against me, um, I would always think, I, was always, I would always just have this idea in my head where like what I'm going through is not okay. And I'm, even though I know I'm not doing well, and but I, I would be so certain that it wouldn't be the end of it. In my head, I always thought that it would always end up being okay. And even, so even though, even through the most difficult periods of my life, I would always have that in my mind. And I would be like, this is just, this is just a period that I'm going through and it's going to get okay. It's going to be okay. So I would always tell myself that no matter what. And some of, um, and also, you know, growing up in Egypt and being always told that you didn't belong in the field. Um, you're always told that, you know, before I wanted to do, mechatronics I was told not to do it because it would be too hard for me so you're always believed like you wouldn't be able to succeed in something just because of your you know your gender where you're from and everything so you ha always have this idea that you wouldn't be able to do it and when I wanted to do biomedical engineering I was told by everyone around me that I would never find any opportunities in the field for me so it was just me doing things and people not believing in it, um, even close family and friends, you know? So it was like literally everyone around me thinking that I, it wasn't something that I was supposed to be doing. And then when it came to the space field, when I really immersed myself in it and founded my company, really was working on research towards it, people, mo the majority of people in Egypt were thinking that it's just a waste of time. So that I was just wasting my time, no one knew what I was doing. But the, the biggest thing was in our culture, a woman who's ambitious is just something as is just extra it's not necessary so you're always looked at as if okay like you're doing this great good for you and you just kind of like okay thumbs up great but it doesn't really matter because you're a woman and because you're just gonna end up getting married and you have you know your husband to to fall back on so it's always this mentality in egypt that we have that or in the arab world actually where our success doesn't really matter. And even until this day, I think the success of a woman is just regarded as something extra, not something that is fulfilling or that she's actually accomplished something that's, that's significant. But it, was, it would just be something as, yeah, yeah, great, good for her, you know? So it's not the same thing at all. Whereas, you know, I was, um, you know, I was lucky enough to do my master's abroad and then I'm doing my PhD in the US now. So it's a very different mentality where you grow up being told yeah you can do anything you know you can become the president you can you could do this you could do that like it doesn't matter if you're a woman or if you're a man you know so it's it's such a different way of growing up where you know in school here in Egypt we were always told 
rather than being told, oh, if you do this, like if you get good grades or if you pursue, you know, this field, you would and you you can succeed in your life. We were not being motivated this way. We were told like, oh, if you get bad grades or if you do this, you're going to end up working at McDonald's your entire life. So it was always a threat of you're going to fail if you don't do this. But it wasn't never like a push for like as saying to telling someone that, oh, but listen, like if you do this, it wasn't never a positive reinforcement. Mm. But I think in my family, my parents um, valued and prioritized education above all else. So because they um, both of them, you know, have had a very difficult, you know, life and they started from nothing. So for them, they really thought, okay, education is going to be the most important thing. That's that's the way to move forward. And, you know, that's so they put all of their energies and in, including my dad, who's, of course, an Arab man, um, where, you know, everyone around him was not thinking, not having the same mindset. And everyone around him was, you know, not looking at women the same way that he was for him, because he had two girls and a boy, um, he was he would never really differentiate, differentiated between us too much. So he wasn't really saying, oh, like the guy, the, your brother is going to be the one who succeeds and then the women aren't, aren't. So that for us, I think that made a lot, a lot of difference for me. Like I, I grew when I grew up in this whole household where education was important, um, you know, even if everyone around us, every, the all, entire surrounding was telling us that as women, it doesn't matter if we succeed. At least my parents believed that our success meant something and that we are capable of doing it. So that made all the difference. Mm, appreciate your perspectives on that. Um, I can definitely relate to that pursuing a career in the aviation industry. Uh, a lot of people said, no, that's not what you're supposed to do. They were you know, pushing me to go to the medical field. And, um, you know, it's, it's, I feel like it's a really shift in mindset when you face these obstacles. So how, how did that uh, impact you like what did you need to do to make sure that you continue pursuing what you wanted to pursue which was space and continuing uh, progressing with your education I would I used to what I did was just follow those ideas that I had in my head and not let other people's opinions or their lack of support kind of dictate what I would do with my life so I kind of just followed my gut I think that's the big big thing that I honestly trust so much and it's so inexplicable but trusting your gut is so important you know even in situations where it might be a dangerous situation like that is so applicable but also in your career or in what you choose to do with your life so for me it was always about but this feels right like but this I feel like I can solve this problem you know I feel like I could break it down and maybe find a simple solution to it and you know pursuing engineering and gave me also the confidence and the skills to be able to apply the same, you know, way of thinking to different things in life. So not only in my, um, in my career or academic, um, you know, background field, but also in my personal life. So it allowed me to kind of look at things in a, in a, in a, in a way that is a little bit more open, if that makes sense, because with mechatronics, when you look at the world around you, you're always thinking um, everything is made by a human being. And that for me just meant, meant that everything around us is an experiment. So for me, thinking and going about life, just looking at everything around me as if it's, it's an experiment. So for me, I was thinking, so no one actually knows the right answer to anything. Mm. So I don't need to have all the answers. and I don't need to have all the right questions. It's just about, you know, 
just doing it you know if you if you have a, an idea in your head or if you have like this thought that's sticking that's staying it's not going away just to go and do it you know it's just to have like to trust your gut for me like for me that was the the biggest thing um and that i still do until now well sarah you have accomplished so much just with um two things we're going to go talk into is your blue origin experience and your the company that you have is the deep space initiative so the blue origin that is when when i read read about your blue origin experience uh, i thought that was so fascinating to to see what you that's just a huge accomplishment in of itself so talk talk a little bit about the, i know this is going to be a big question but uh talk a little bit about your blue origin experience you know how did the opportunity come and how was it preparing for it and what you experienced on that day? I know it's a long question, but feel free to take as much as, as time as you, you want, because uh, this is just so fascinating. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it's crazy. To, it's Until now, it's kind of crazy to think that this all happened, because if you look at the odds, it is so they're so low for something like this to happen to someone like me. So and I think that taught me so much since coming back. But how this how I got this opportunity was that I on LinkedIn one day I found a post by Space for Humanity and they they announced this uh, citizen astronaut program. So I read about it a little bit and it, it meant what they wanted what they've been trying to do is send people to space, send leaders, people with uh, potential for global impact, people who are doing work in their communities already, and send them to space and have them experience this overview effect and then bring that back to Earth. So. I was like, okay, this is interesting. I kept reading about it a little bit. And then I decided to, okay, probably thousands and thousands of people are going to be applying to this, but I'm not, I'm not losing anything from applying. So I think I applied the night before the deadline. <laughs> I stayed up until 1 a.m., I think. And I just like wrote my essays, applied, like spent so much time on it. And then months later, I got the call and I was told that I was a finalist. And it's one of those things where, is it really happening? And then it was just, you know, like the, the interview process was very selective. So like interview after interview after interview with, and then the, the, at the very end. So it's a funny story how this announcement came. So um, I was in Egypt at the time, which is also weird because I'm only here visiting. Um, I'm, I'm, I was not based in, 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 um, in Egypt, but I was here helping the Egyptian Space Agency with their International Moon Day event. And I had invited um, Christina Corp, who was was Aldrin's manager, and uh, Dr. Simon Proctor, who was on the who was on the Inspiration Four mission with SpaceX. So they were both in Egypt. And then after the whole day event, which was super intense, um, we were in a in an in person meeting. So we we're in this huge conference room uh, with this other company. And I uh, got the call. I, like I got a message from Space Humanity telling that they need to call me urgently. But I actually pushed the call. <laughs> <laughs> because I was thinking, I kept telling them, but I'm, I'm in a meeting actually, so can we can we do this tomorrow? Like, it's not a really good time. They're like, no, no, it's urgent. So I was like, okay. So I went out of the room, and I like turned on the phone, and I and I got I, I took the call, and they told me that I was going to space, and like it was just completely. I mean, it's so hard to describe, but it feels like to get this call. Right? For me, it was so overwhelming. It was the most overwhelming thing to have been told that it would happen. So for me, it was really it, it was it was shocking. So 
So I went back in the room actually, and I and I told them. And the funny part is like the the, the announcement when they told me the, the the news. I when I got the call, I mean, the people that were inside the meeting they could see me from the window, so they saw my reaction. So they were all like, "What's wrong? What's wrong with Sarah? Like, what's going on?" So I went back inside with the space for humanity on the call, and Cyan. What's the funny thing is, Cyan knew. For some reason, she, they, no one had known about uh, the, the that I even applied, so no one knew anything. Um, it, I was not allowed to tell anyone before that. So, but Cyan, because she had gotten the news a year before, and I had followed her entire journey, I cried when she got her news, and then a year later, she was in the room with me when I got my call, and she was there, and she automatically asked, "Are you going to space?" Out of all questions that you can be asked, like what are the odds of that happening? And I said yes, that I was going to space, which is completely insane. And sometimes I wonder how they, how is it on the on July twentieth, the anniversary of the Apollo moon landing, um, on the Apollo of Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin going to space. Christina, who was his manager, was with me in Egypt in that room, and Cyan, who was a year before. Um, had gone to space and they were both with me in the room on July 20th. So it's just insane to have, like, if, if, I'm, if, I, were, if I were to make the story up, <laughs> I would not be able to. <laughs> like, it's a, it's, a really, it's a really weird thing to have happened. Um, and then it was a lot of preparations before, before, you know, the actual flight. I didn't, and everything was moving really fast. Um, and as for the astronaut training, I had been training for a couple of years before. So because even though I knew that the odds of my going to space are very low and that we don't even have a human spaceflight program in Egypt. So I thought, well, might as well be prepared when the opportunity does come. So um, and I was. So when the opportunity did come, I was prepared. So. Um, and then when we went with Blue Origin, we had a lot of preparation. Um, we simulated so many different uh, things that could have gone either okay or wrong in the mission. And um, on August 4th, we launched the space. And um, it was the most incredible experience. It was, it's, it was a lot more than I expected it to be, honestly. Mm. How, was, how was the actual day of, of the, the mission? So what, so we had to wake up really early and we met our, with our friends and family for our last goodbyes. And then we went back to the astronaut training center where we had our last briefing and all of that. And then we hopped on our cars, drove to the launch pad. And I remember there was this moment when we were driving towards the launch pad and was, we had not seen the rocket on the launch pad before then. We only had only seen it um, when I was inside. So when it was just, you know, being worked on, but we had never seen it alive on the launch pad. So that was the first time we see it there. And I remember I had the windows down and there was, it was, there was a lot of wind. It was a beautiful, beautiful day. And it was very wind. So there's a lot of wind coming in the car. And I remember seeing that rocket for the first time, everything stopped. Time had completely stopped. And that's when it felt very real. It started feeling like, so that's what I'm about to write on right now and go to space. I was, you know, it really, before then you're prepping, you're, you have so much going on and you're trying to think about what's going to happen, but it doesn't feel like it's really happening, you know, but it's when you see that rocket and you see it alive, it, it just, it, it just, that's when it felt real. That's when it felt like, so 
I'm about to go to space. And, you know, we went, we went up the launch pad, we sat on our rockets, uh, sat on our chairs, we harnessed, so everything was muscle memory by then. And then, you know, you just wait, you wait for the countdown, you have our last text with the crew, we're always communicating. So it was a very relaxed and nice environment. And um, then you have the final countdown. You have three, two, one, and lift off. And you feel everything vibrating under you. And it's it's such such an exciting, such a thrill, honestly, to, 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 to be sitting on such a powerful beast. You know, it's just, it's just beautiful, beautiful. I mean, for me, it was such a beautiful experience. And it, then you, like, you don't realize how fast you're actually going. I mean, until you see the numbers, but even then, like, they're so huge that, and they're, you know, like, accelerating so fast. And it's just, you know, like, it's it's crazy to, to like, see those numbers and be, and think that, oh, this is how the speed that I'm going at right now. Like, it's just crazy. And then um, you have these beautiful big windows. Um, each person has a window. So um, I was looking out the window. And the only thing that made me realize that I was in space was the colors. So the colors changed because we launched during the morning. The colors change from um, light blue to darker blue to purple, and then it goes black. And you're in complete pitch blackness. And there's no real transition here. Like it just goes from purple to black, black. Like it's really, it's it's the blackest of blacks ever. Um, and it's it's an incredible experience to see Earth from the outside. It's just indescribable and i think your brain has a lot of trouble trouble to understand um what it's actually seeing like it, it really it really doesn't make sense because we haven't biologically evolved to 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 see that because we haven't we haven't evolved to, to leave our earth and see it from the outside because now as we're sitting in the room like everything around you is inside earth so it's just the normal thing to see but when you leave it and then you realize oh but that's that's like everything else <laughs> that's there's nothing else, you know, like, everything you've ever known, you've ever seen is just there. And it's, you know, you can see the outside of it and you don't see the details anymore. And it's just so weird. Your brain for days after, I mean, weeks, honestly, it felt so strange because it was as if your whole, your whole reality had, you know, was has been shattered and you're trying to make sense of the new you know, this new reality that you're living in and you're trying to make sense of everything. And it's such a it's such a weird, weird experience. And for me, I thought, honestly, I didn't really expect it to affect me this much, but it has more than I could ever describe. That seems like a really amazing experience. And I'm sure it was a lot of lot of prep work involved to, to uh, before the launch. Uh, but now I want to move on into uh, the company that you have is a deep space initiative so tell us a little bit about what deep space initiative is all about and um, your vision for the company and feel free to focus on anything specific uh, with with your your company of course so deep space initiative is a nonprofit. we're based in colorado and our aim our vision is to be it's is to increase accessibility in the field so we do that by providing opportunities in research and education. And we also have a legal department that is aimed at educating Congress as to why 
the laws that exist, you know, that prohibit these partnerships or this um, knowledge transfer is harmful for the entire world. So, um, so basically, those are the two, those are the three departments that we have. And um, we have been accepting, you know, we accept applicants from all over the world. So in our education department, we have different things. We have a podcast, we have courses, we have webinars. And in our research department, we have two different programs. We have a short and intense program called Milky Way. And we have a long one that is Andromedal. It's a one-year program. And what we do is that we select. So we have applicants that come from all over the world. We select um, a few per team. And we partner them with a research supervisor to help with technical writing and just everything regarding how to conduct research. And then a research supervisor who would be an expert in the field. So I'm so excited to announce that this year we've accepted 98 researchers from all over the world. So it's so exciting. Last year, we were able to accept 30 for Milky Way. And this year, we've moved on to almost 100. And then we're still going to be opening up another Milky Way. So we're going to be having around 130 researchers this year, which is really, really exciting, which is this is our goal. So our goal is to bring accessibility for people and to bring opportunity. Because for me, when I wanted to do research in space, it was there was so little few opportunities. And even when opportunities were or did exist, I couldn't apply to them because of my passport. So for me, it was all about, okay, so I'm facing this difficulty. I'm sure I'm not alone. And the more people I spoke with, the more I started reaching out to people at NASA, reaching out to different people around the world. And people agreed and people saw that it was, in fact, inaccessible. And they started wanting to help more and more. And I, our team last year, I think we were about four people for DSI. Now we are around 25 in our DSI core team. So... People are just so excited about this, this, this vision. Everyone believes in this purpose and the importance of making it accessible. And we're constantly growing. We're always looking for partnerships. And we hope like our main vision is to be, you know, this magnet for people who who want to do research in space. And this gives them the, the opportunity to do that and also jumpstart their careers because this they can move forward from that after they finish the programs and start their careers in the space field. Mm, that's that's really awesome. So what are some of the goals for DSI uh, coming into this year? So this year we have we just started our Andromeda program. So we have our researchers. They're going to be doing research for around a year with their supervisors and um, and advisors. And we're also conducting courses. So um, this weekend, actually, we have a research one-on-one course that is taught also, like, it, it's also provided by DSI. And then we're also providing another course that is going to be open also for the public. So we're going to be, you know, announcing that also soon. Uh, we're continuing our podcasts. And we have certain goals to meet, of course, by the end of the year. So just to have this number of courses, this number of podcasts, this number of... Um, and then by the end of the year, we're hoping that um, our researchers have... I mean, successfully complete and finish their programs and with um, peer reviewed, applying to peer reviewed journals and submitting their papers there and maybe also extending their research and where we can allow them to, 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 to work in different facilities around the world from that are part of that are some of our, some of our partners, basically. It's been uh, really nice hearing your experience with uh, Blue Origin and also the what you're doing with Deep Space Initiative. Um, so based upon your experience and and um, your journey so far, 
what advice would you provide for those that want to aspire for hire, but they limit themselves due to where they are from or their circumstances? That's a really good question. And I really think that there's this analogy that I lo really love to bring up because when when we see a plant, like it's a plant analogy and it's going to make sense in the end. So when a plant doesn't grow, we put it, we change its, we might change its soil. So when a plant doesn't grow, we kind of like try to question, okay, what do we do now? Do we move it to a different location? Does it need more sun? Does it need more water, less water? So we move it from its environment. So in order for it to grow, right? So, so we don't, we never blame the plant for not growing. We blame its environment. But for us, we're different. We're not plants. So I think for us, we need to take responsibility and not blame our surroundings and our environment for not being able to grow because we can do that. We're humans and I think we're a lot more, we can do a lot more than we think we were capable of. And it's just about really having an open mind and not, you know, looking at those odds and thinking, because I could have, let's say, easily said, but the odds are of me becoming an astronaut are so low, like that's never going to happen. And not only is it so low, it's just impossible because it has never been done. And that's what everyone around me was telling me. And um, and I think it all starts with just this trusting your gut and believing that it's things are possible. And for me, it was really it was really that that, you know, so for me, I think uh, the biggest advice that I would give is to really think about how everything around us is an experiment. So because that for me was the biggest, biggest step forward. And that's you know, it's going to be scary. It's going to be hard, but it's meant to be that way. Like everyone, it, it's just how life is. And you're going to see a lot of obstacles along the way. You're going to see a lot of people who don't want you to succeed. You're going to see a lot of people trying to stop you from succeeding. And you're going to go through certain situations that you feel like, okay, this might be the end for me. How am I going to get through this difficult situations? Because maybe it feels like the whole world is closing on, closing on in on you, but it's not... It's, 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 I think it's just the perception of what we see around us, but it's in reality, things change. Everything is dynamic. And even if we are going through a difficult time, it is going to get better. It's just about how you, what you do about it. So I think it's about taking action and taking responsibility and not, even if we are in a difficult situation, there is so much that we can do to change that. So it's just about really trusting your gut and going forward and even when you know you have all of these you know obstacles for me at least I, I used to use them to push me forward I used to think that I used to kind of internalize this energy and let it drive me forward and be and think that okay so this is because you can either let that get to you you can either you know take all of this energy and internalize it and let it you know bring you down and stop you from doing your work or but you can also let it keep it at the back of your mind and be like, no, this is not the situation that I'm going to stay in for, my, for the rest of my life. This is not what I want for what I want for myself. This is not what I want for my family. And you can keep that in mind and let that push you forward and be, you know, be the push for change that you can be. Thank you for that encouragement. I, I know a lot of people listening here could could resonate to your message. And I think you're really the true example of you know, aspiring for higher and being successful at it and using those obstacles as fuel to keep you going and push forward, regardless of what you, your circumstances are telling you to do. Um, oh, thank you. Mm -hmm. I appreciate it. Yeah. And then so what 
what have you learned about yourself through your achievement in becoming an, an astronaut? That it all starts with belief. That if you see it happen, then it's more likely going to happen. That yes, doing the work is really important. So you can't just dream and not do the work. And you can't also work without having focus. And I think there's a lot that we have going on all the time, every day, but I think having focus and focusing on long-term results rather than those short-term gratifications. And if you really have this focus, well, when it's combined with the work that you're actually gonna be putting in, and you can spend the hours, you know, it's going to happen. If you spend the hours and you have this focus, you need one third ingredient to this. And I think it's just really hard for it to happen without this third ingredient. And it's visualization. Because I really, I honestly, truly believe in it. And you need to see yourself in those positions. You need to actually close your eyes and see yourself where you would like to be. For me, that was, you know, I used to go to bed every single night and see myself inside the capsule, really feel the rocket. You know, I would be sitting there and seeing myself do that. So for me, it became a thing that it was so possible because I could see myself doing it. And the more you do that, the more, but you can't just do that alone, of course. Like you can't just dream about it without doing the work. But if you combine all three together, I honestly think that it would be so hard not to achieve it. It's really, you have to believe in it and not to listen to the odds, not to listen to, to everything else and that things are dynamic. And things are in your hands, no matter what your situation is, no matter where you're from, no matter what, you can take things and, you know, take action and just you know, take charge. It's been really awesome just hearing your your journey, your obstacles. And personally, I've been inspired listening to you and, and chatting with you. Um, so I hope this resonates with with those listening. Um, Sarah, thank you again for, for being a part of the podcast and taking out the time from across the world and, and being a part of this. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed the conversation and yeah, I wish you the best of luck in everything that you're doing. And it's so important to have, you know, the podcast that are so useful in the world. So thank you so much for the work that you do. Yeah. And I wish, wish you all the best in your future and continue to, to strive for higher and it's going to be exciting to follow your journey and 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 really follow you with dsi and uh your journey thank you so much i really appreciate it thank you sarah well i hope you were just inspired as i was i know this is so awesome when conducting these podcast interviews to learn from uh, people from different backgrounds different journeys different experiences and i really hope you gathered some uh, lessons to learn from Sarah Sabri's journey so far and hope that you follow her journey to come uh, so you can follow her on uh, social media she's on all social media platforms and you can follow her company uh, Deep Space Initiative um, and the reason why I started with podcasts is so that you can learn from different stories and different different people and uh, if you haven't heard yet uh, I recently came out with my new book and my first ever book actually uh, navigation and discovery a path of navigating and discovering through your journey of faith and this is where i share my story and my journey through my high school years and also my early college years on how i really navigated and discovered my passion my calling and i go through some of my trials and tribulations in hopes that those out there that are struggling to find what they want to do and how to get through 
being in the valleys and experiencing the mountaintops on how that journey of navigation and discovery is. Um, if you want your copy of, uh, you want to check out a copy of the book, you can go to my website, www.cameronsing.com to go ahead and order the book. Uh, if you want to get a preview of the book before you go ahead and purchase it, um, I'll give you two chapters, uh, complimentary to, um, get a taste of this book that I read, wrote. Um, so you can text Cameron. So you can text Cameron to the phone number 813-212-2557. Again, you can text Cameron to 813-212-2557. And I'll give you two chapters so you can uh, get a good preview of the first couple chapters of my new book, Navigation and Discovery. And if you want to go ahead and purchase a copy of the book, you can go to my website, Cameron Singh. Dot com. Again, it's CameronSing.com. really hope you enjoyed this podcast interview with Sarah Sabri and that it tr- continues to inspire you. And stay in tune. You can connect with me on all social media platforms. All my social media links are on my website, CameronSing.com, to stay connected with me and all my content. And also uh, to stay in tune for the next podcast episode. And if you really enjoyed this podcast interview, Please give a review on whichever platform that you're subscribing on. It helps get this message out to more uh, more people. And please share also. If you connect with me on social media, please reshare, like, comment, anything that you uh, can do to get this message out to a larger audience. So I thank you for your support. And uh, subscribe, stay in tune, and uh, really hope you enjoyed this podcast. <laughs>